This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And now it's time for the Bet Rivers Sportsbook pregame show with Score Morning Show co-host Molly from the Molly and Haas Show, Bears long-snapping Ironman Patrick Manley, and legendary Bears center Olin Krutz on Sports Radio 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app today. Oh, yes, indeed. It is the Scores pregame show. What a delight. Presented by Bet Rivers. Love Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. And you should head out there, download the Bet Rivers app, do it today. And, of course, the great Olin Crudes. Uh, the man just made the Pro Bowl every time he rolled out of bed. And I think you probably did a lot of work to get there. And, and Patrick, I think you should play us a song. Your setup looks like you're uh, you're ready to, to sing to us. Uh, the longest-serving Bears player in history. Pretty astounding stuff. Gentlemen, good afternoon and very exciting stuff. We've got news all over the NFL. The season underway. We're getting ready for the Bears. The start of a new era. It is the, uh, the, the new era without Eddie Gold. No, that's not it. It's the new quarterback era. Breaking news today, earlier today, uh, Ian uh, Rappaport of the NFL Network reported that the Bears do indeed have a package of plays for Justin Fields. So as much as uh, everyone is thrilled with Andy Dalton taking over, nothing but fans wanting to see Justin Fields since draft day. Maybe tonight's the night. Very exciting idea. We saw all the other rookie quarterbacks play, including Trey Lance. So um, are you anticipating that we will indeed get a look at Justin Fields? You know, I I do. You know, when I heard that report, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think my question is, are they going to go about it like we did with Cade McNown back in the day, Olin, when we had him come in for like a whole series in the middle of the game trying to get him going? I didn't like that. I didn't think it was a good – for the starter, whoever that was at the time, I forgot who it was. But I think for a package package plays or situational plays, I think that's good to get his feet wet that way. And uh, what happens if he comes in on the red zone like Trey Lance and starts putting up points? <laughs> you got to go back to him, right? Yeah. That's what they've been struggling doing is putting up points. But uh, I hope we get to see him. I hope we get to see him a lot. And I hope it is in the red zone and he can use his feet and arm and, and, and be a weapon, weapon today for us. Yeah, you would imagine that it's going to be in the red zone. And his coach right in college, Day, said – that they were just trying to get him to the red zone because that's where he was so dangerous. Uh, you know, you're thinking about zone reads, uh, use his legs, uh, quarterback sweeps, play action passes where he can outnumber the defense. And if they play man and then you're one-on-one with Justin Fields, and we all seen him 
uh, run in the preseason, uh, a dangerous runner. And the Bears would be crazy not to use him because, uh, like you know, Molly and Pat, their problem is scoring points. They don't have a lot of explosive players. Uh, Tariq Cohen, again, back on pup, back on IR, uh, one of their explosive guys. They need as many guys on that field that threaten the defense, especially when they're in, down there about to score points. Because against the Rams, Molly, I mean, uh, the last three games they've averaged, the offense alone has averaged under seven points a game. Wow, that's right, because they had a defensive touchdown and a, and I think a uh, safety, right, a couple years yeah. ago, a few yeah, years mm-hmm. ago? Um, wow, I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, look, they value scoring points to the point where they've kept a tight end who is uh, in his mid-50s, I think. And, uh, <laughs> and, it, and they've done so as opposed to a cornerback, as opposed to a left tackle. And, you know, I get it. Not A lot of people didn't love – uh, Charles Leno Jr., but he did play like every play for five years. You did invest a ton of playing time into him. So uh, it's curious to see the way that they do value the touchdowns. I, I would say red zone specialist would be Jimmy Graham's title. He can do that um, that kind of, um, I don't know what you'd call it. It's, it's like he's playing grass basketball and he's just posting a guy up in the end zone. And that's great. But they chose that over a couple of positions. We're going into a season here, guys, as you well know, and we will be picking apart with a couple of key positions with major question marks. Yeah, no, no doubt. But I think if we look back at last year and you say Jimmy Graham had, what do you have, eight or nine touchdowns, you know, I think you're happy with that, right? And I understand what you're saying, Molly, that you're giving up that salary to lose a left tackle, uh, corner, and Kyle Fuller. Um, but this is an offensive-minded head coach, and he that seems like he's getting his guys, and that's who he wanted. Uh, we just hope that Jason Peters can come in and, and fill that void for Charles Leno. But it's funny, as a Bears fan, we all complain when some players are here, and as soon as they leave, we're like, man, we really miss them. <laughs> Charles Leno was one of those guys. Um, but I, I, I get why they kept Jimmy Graham, but I think, obviously, we're talking about numbers and what it means against the salary cap, and those are two different deals. You can argue you know, both sides, but... If he is as valuable this year as he was last year, scoring touchdowns and maybe gets one or two more this year, I think it's worth it. And, you know, as, as Olin has talked about, a lot of people have talked about, the Bears just have to score point, more points. And that's the only way they're going to win this year. I think their defense will be okay. But if Jimmy Graham can be that touchdown-making machine, I think we're all going to be happy. Yeah, I mean, for me, simply put, if I was in charge, that's not the decision I make, right? I don't mm-hmm. keep uh, Jimmy Graham. I keep either Leno or Fuller because if you constantly talk about your offensive line is the issue. Your offensive line is the problem. 2019, Ryan Pace and Coach Nagy at the end of the season sat there and said uh, the offensive line was a problem. That was real. Uh, fired their offensive line coach, hired Juan Castillo, and have since been trying to fix the offensive line and the run game and really haven't accomplished it. Well, if, if the offensive line is my problem, I keep every resource I have, throw every resource I can at the problem and keep guys around just in case, say, maybe – your highly drafted pick from the Oklahoma State has a back problem and needs to have surgery. So I, I see what you're saying, Pat. They do have to score points. We all know why they kept them. They see their team. You know, you look at their building up there at Hallis Hall. They have so many quarterback experts in a room. That's how they see their team. They see their team like seven on seven. And they don't really know. It doesn't seem to me they really know how to fix the offensive line, which is a problem. They'll just say, hey, look, man, uh, we'll go out and get, you know, this today's game that both both tackles are 40 and 39 years old. We'll go out and get a 40-year-old tackle and act like he's impressed us in practice. 
Yeah, yeah well, and um, that tape was uh, really interesting to hear uh, the two guys talk. Let's, uh, let's take a listen to that now. I believe we have pulled that cut, and this is uh, this is. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy in the again. This, that was that bizarre uh, end of season thing where they went over what they needed, and they knew they needed help on the offensive line. Take a listen. Apparently, we don't have it. Yeah, that's weird. okay. Well, that's what they said. So I can see Studs, man. He's all over that room in there right now. <laughs> He's running to get it. Uh, but but yeah, but, but Molly, like what, like all all I'm saying is, if if you say that's your problem, uh, and that's what's holding your team back, you do everything you can to fix it. And Pat, I don't think they have. And I know mm-hmm. what you're saying, Allen Robinson, right? Colt Komet, uh, you know Mooney. Uh, all in the red zone with Fields having the ball, and you could post Graham up. Uh, that gives you a problem. But look, you still got to block the guys up front. One hundred percent, and you got to get to the red zone. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you get to yeah. the red zone with the O line and the run game and protection. And you know they drafted Cole Komet, and you expect him to be the next Travis Kelsey or one of those guys is what he's envisioned to be. Then, then I, I see what you're saying. Why would you allocate that money to Jimmy Graham and not give it to somewhere else, whether it be Kyle Fuller or, or I agree with you all in the. Uh, the offensive line. I mean, they've been talking about that for years, and mm-hmm. they haven't fixed it, and that's still a big hole. And and, and I hope Jason Peters has at least, uh, you know, a half a season left in him. I mean, I think the last few years he hasn't played a whole full season, and you know he doesn't look as good as he did five years ago. But nobody should when they're 39 years old. But you just hope he can come in and, and, and play for a little while, and maybe Tevin Jenkins can come back, where Larry Borum can can step in and and, and fill in, and maybe be a you know a surprise pick. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that, sorry, um, sorry, Molly, go ahead. I was just going to say that that seems like a reach, Olin, doesn't it? I mean, you're talking <laughs> about a fifth-round draft pick. Yes. It, it's, I just think that's a huge ask. Well, yeah, and you're talking about a fifth-round draft pick who, when he came in, that wasn't the plan for him, right? The plan when you drafted him, the plan going in, in the whole offseason before you went to camp, the plan was for him, for him to play right tackle. And because Tevin Jenkins went and had surgery – now you bucked over the left tackle. And to be honest, in the preseason, he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good at left tackle, uh, moved his feet pretty well. Obviously, he wasn't pay- playing against the kind of talent you'd want to see him against before you put him out there uh, to start a game uh, you know, in a regular season. But uh, it is a big ask uh, for Larry Borum. I-, I thought it was a big ask that if they were going to ask Tevin Jenkins just to be the starter from day one at left tackle. But uh, that, that's what that's why with this game coming up with the Rams, uh, we've seen so little of this offensive line together. Uh, Jermaine Effetti was hurt all offseason. I think he had a growing. He got hurt in the first conditioning test, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, James Daniel was out with a quad injury for a while. So we've only really seen these guys for 15 to 20 plays, and then Peters came in late. Uh, uh, Ryan Pace keeps telling us, uh, you know, Juan Castillo is the best developer of talent in the whole NFL. Uh, Juan, you, you guys underestimate the hiring of Juan Castillo. Um, I guess nobody knew that when he was at University of Michigan as an offensive analyst. So I, I, that, that, those, those comments just kind of surprised me or shocked me. But that's why this game against the Rams and Aaron Donald and their front is going to be so interesting because this is really the first real work these guys get together, Molly and Pat, because if you think about it, Pat, there's so little time together now with pads on. I mean, how many padded practices did this offensive line actually have together? Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Olin. What do you think? How long does that take for that, those five guys to kind of become a unit? Because you guys become a unit. The good ones I've seen you play on is almost that nonverbal communication. You understand backside cutoffs. You understand switching off you know, pass rushes and, and tees and things like that. 
And I think it, it comes with reps. And without the limited action with pads on, I mean, how many weeks of, of a game do you think, or of games do you think this would take? Do you think it could do one game and, and start getting it going? Could they pick it up tonight? Or is this going to take three, four, five weeks? Yeah, I'm imagining, Pat, four to six weeks to, to get yeah. to learn somebody. Uh, Cody Whitehair and Peters, they've, they've never played together really, right? And, and they just had that, that short amount of time in the last preseason game against the Titans. And, and then they went back to practice and try to work a lot of kinks out. And like you said, tonight, I don't know what the crowd's going to be like in Los Angeles. I don't know how loud it's going to be. But the first time that these guys have dealt with crowd noise for a while last year uh, with the pandemic, nobody was in the stadium. So this offensive line has a tough ass tonight. A uh, new defense quarter, Raheem Morris, he's got to know that he wants to attack them up front put Andy Dalton under pressure. So uh, we'll see, man. There's so many questions going to this game, especially with the offensive line because of Tevin Jenkins' injury, because of Fetty and Daniels were out for so long. Uh, I don't really know. I, I think, Pat, my first guess would be four to six weeks. Uh, but tonight, uh, you got to protect them with the run game because let's be honest, Molly, this is the hardest scheme in the NFL to play offensive line for. It really is a tough scheme. You're left alone a lot. They run a lot of what they call scat protection, which is you five, and, and you have to pick the five most dangerous. Sam Mustafer will have to do a good job picking those guys out. That is his strength. But very interested tonight to watch that unit work. Olin, you bring up the crowd. And- That's interesting, too, because – you watch just all the games we've seen this morning and this afternoon, how many false starts there's been on these offensive lines and some of the good ones that have been together for a while with a the quarterback they've been with. You know, getting used to that noise is a different animal. So that will be interesting to see, uh, you know, how loud that stadium is with Rams fans. Let's just hope a lot of Bears fans traveled and filled that stadium like they do a lot of other places. Yeah, I, you know, there's tons of Bears fans that live out in L.A. I mean, they re- usually get a pretty good support out there. So I'm thinking that, that there will be, you know, a decent – but they haven't had that. This is almost, I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm doubting whether the Bears can win, but this is almost like a homecoming game. Like they haven't, they've had that stadium for a year, but they haven't had people in it. This will be the first time the building is full. So I'm sure they're really looking forward to that sort of thing. Um, to me, you know, Aaron Donald, that was on with us earlier in the week and told a story about in June, he happened to be, uh, out at Pittsburgh, and he went to the facility with, with the assistant athletic director, and they were kind of just walking through, and there's one light on, and they went to, like, turn it off, and it's Aaron Donald in the weight room, which is the Aaron Donald weight room. I guess they gave him keys because he built it for him, and he's he's just by himself in June working out and just going, like, just killing it, and that's that guy. Like, he's one of these guys that has got a motor – that never stops that you, you know, it's a difficult thing to try to block a guy who is relentless and loves the game and, and plays with that kind of insane, passionate, uh, you know, scary type mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When talent meets want to, right, Pat, I mean, uh, that's what you got in Aaron Donald. And that's why you see a guy who's probably the best defensive player in the NFL. Uh, you know, he, he could be defensive MVP every year. He really is that good. Uh, the one good thing for the Bears tonight is the strength of their line probably is their inside three with Cody Whitehair, uh, Sam Mustafer, and James Daniels. James Daniels, when he did does play against him, uh, plays against him well. He's got long arms. Uh, you know, he, he does a really nice job. But but they got to scheme that guy, man. They got to know where he is at all times. They got to be sliding the line to him, Pat. If you're not sliding the line to him, your running back better be releasing through the B-gap 
<laughs> and giving that guard a chip. If you're not doing that, you better be sliding line the other way and bring your tackle down. You got to double him on runs because just as just as important to his game as sacks is, tackles for loss are just as important for Aaron Donald. And I think I saw a stat where he leads the league. Uh, obviously, no one's shocked by that for the last five or six years with his get off, with how quick he is. Uh, he is in, he is a tough matchup tonight. Uh, obviously, this is the number one defense from last year. They lost their defense coordinator. Brandon Staley is the head coach of the Chargers now. But they got to have a plan for him. Uh, Pat, I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm a coach, you got to know when he's one-on-one. If he is one-on-one in a situation you didn't expect him to be one-on-one in, I, I would I would think about calling timeout, to be honest, just to save hmm. my team from making a huge mistake or him making a big play that changes the whole game. But you only get three timeouts a half, right? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, if I'm the coach, it's burnt in the, fr- in the first minute. Oh, timeout. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I want to go back the to your point series. about the one-two, Molly, that um, I, 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 met a, I worked with a kid who spent some time with uh, the Rams this offseason. I was just asking about some of the players. And I was like, what do they, they practice like? What, what are the great ones? What does Aaron Donald practice like? What does Jalen Ramsey practice like? And he couldn't believe how serious he took practice every day. And I think that's what you're talking about, that want-to, Olin, that, you know, it's amazing to watch a guy that great work that hard, but that's also why he is the best at what he does. And I think that's just a, that's a great story for young football players to maybe hear that talent, you don't just win because of talent. You don't become great because of talent. You've got to have the want-to and the work ethic. And it's just cool to hear that Aaron Donald, you know, the best in the business to do it, is outworking everybody at practice, you know, while he, uh, of his teammates, which is impressive. Yeah, you know, the first professional beat I – I ever covered was the Bulls and I covered them for three championships and mm-hmm. got to see like Jordan up close and that guy like he he played the way he played in practice he just he had to win every practice when he was a rookie and came to the Bulls he got into it with the coach because he was put on one team and then they put him on another team so he'd be winning on one team and then they'd they move him. Kevin Lockery was the coach. He'd move him to the other team, and then he'd come roaring back, and then they'd move him again, and he was just – he'd had it. He just was fed up because he wanted to win, and he was kind of losing to himself. So they had to uh, straighten that one out. But he – that's when you see people work that hard, hopefully you start working that hard, right? That's, that's how they developed the championship team because all the guys around them knew they had – you know, there was a level you had to meet or forget it. You're not here. Right, and, and guys right. like that are contagious, Molly, man, like you're saying, but uh, hopefully not tonight. Hopefully. Why you guys are talking, the, whole, the, whole, the old old lineman in me is just saying, F him, man. You know what I mean? Let's go get him. I can see you. Let's I can see you on Zoom ass. there, man. You got a little, <laughs> little more red. Yeah. Not only, Olin, not only would you be burning timeouts, you'd be out there for at least one play. That'd probably be your last play, but she'd put you in. I don't know. I see all these all right, old guys, guys doing it again, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I saw Hollowfield fight yesterday. Don't oh, do boy. it. Oh boy! Uh, mm. <laughs> that was awful. It was awful. All right, uh, we got to get to uh, we got to get to some quarterback talk. We got to talk about Eddie Goldman. This is a huge absence for the for the Chicago Bears. You know, we think of this team and we think about uh, how good they have to be up front, line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. Uh, we'll talk about that next. It's uh, the pregame show. We've got Olin Krutz. We've got Patrick Manley. You're listening to Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 The Score. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Brian, August was obviously not an ideal month on the offensive line. I'm curious how you get that feeling of, of confidence and security back after a month that had a lot of moving parts. Yeah, you know, I feel like, you know, luckily we feel like we do have some depth there. And even going back to last season, Dan, a lot of those guys had to play, which, which helped us. Um, Juan, to me, is maybe the best developer of talent in the NFL. You know, and it, it's his position, it's awesome. So, you know, we put you know, mid-round picks in there, late-round picks in there that, that have gotten a lot better because they've been forced to play a lot. So, and I think that's going to pay dividends. But with what we've done right now, I mean, Jason Peters, I think we were fortunate there, to be honest. But to see how far Larry Borum's come in, and we got a Fetty back, you know, Pig Simmons, Elijah Wilkinson, Alex Bars is versatile on the inside. The other thing I like with our offensive line is I feel like we, they've all really settled into their roles. You know, in the past, some of those guys have been moving around. Whitehair's had one of the best camps that I think he's had. I think it's because he's been right there at left guard throughout. You know, what Sam provides at center with his intelligence, football IQ, getting this lined up, um, that's paid dividends. So I feel good about it. Game show presented by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers app today. And I'm Molly. You can hear me mornings. In fact, I'll be out tomorrow morning, but not before. Uh, we have the game and we have the post game and then we have uh, our show. But we are delighted to have Olin Krutz here. Olin uh, does an unbelievable job with the No Name Football podcast. Really, you can learn a lot by listening to that and of course Patrick Manley is the longest serving Bears player and guys you know I, I, I sometimes worry that when Ryan Pace in particular gets before the Mike and even even sometimes Ryan Pace there's almost this like word salad thing where they say stuff I don't know how much they believe it but they say it but Pace is always talking about the great coaching staff he has He's, he has said in the past that the coaching staff is the strength of the organization. He said that uh, during the news conference when they, they, uh, uh, the, the, the Four Bears news conference where everybody talked about uh, collaboration and that stuff. Um, I, and I, I, yeah, I'm not saying they don't have good coaches, but I think there's a lot of good coaches in the NFL, and I don't know that I necessarily look at the Bears and say, like, wow, they're really going to co- out-coach everyone the way that uh, Ryan Pace does. Is that – is that just a guy kind of listing off names there? Because he does mention a lot of people in that cut. Yeah, it, it's an interesting comment to say the least, Molly. When, when you have guys, uh, I don't, you know, you don't want to go down and, and you know run these coaches down before the season even starts. And and you, they had. Let's just put it this way, Pat. This staff has a lot to prove, right? Uh, you have a bunch of guys who who either were out of football or got fired. Bill Lazor was out of, Bill Lazor was at Penn State. He was an analyst. Uh, Juan Castillo is at Michigan. He was an analyst. Uh, John DiFilippo, as office coordinator, has been fired. Every job he's had, Minnesota fired him halfway through the year. The Jaguars fired him immediately after the season. Uh, Clancy Barone, the tight end coach, 
Uh, he was out of work in 2019. He was the co-offensive line coach at Minnesota. I didn't even know what that meant. I had to look it up when I saw co-offensive line coach. Uh, the defensive staff is very interesting. Sean Desai, and look, um, Vic Fangio, who everybody's trying to copy his defense right now in the NFL, Pat, called him the smartest defensive mind he's ever been around. Uh, they do on that side of the ball, again, uh, you know, inside linebackers coach, new inside linebackers coach, Bill McGovern. Uh, he was out. He was an analyst in, at Nebraska last year. Just a lot of guys who have to prove themselves, Pat. And it is a big statement, like Mully is saying, to say that all these guys who people didn't see as fit to be on their coaching staff in the NFL are now all of a sudden the strength of Hallis Hall. Yeah, I I, I question that uh, that statement as well. Sometimes you got to lie to yourself to believe it, I guess. But you know, I'm going to talk about the Bears' defensive staff. Sean Desai, I guess, was a uh, he was like a special projects guy there. My my uh, last year in 2013, he was the guy that all the coordinators blamed if the uh, the video went wrong and all that kind of stuff. And he's worked his way up, and I'm really happy for him. But to me, you can equate him to kind of like a quarterback that can sit there on the grease board and have all the answers on the grease board. And I'm sure he did. And I'm sure he came up with great ideas, watching tape and all that stuff. But is he going to be able to take that and translate it to the coaching box? I think he's going to be up in the box and be yeah. able to call plays to be able to make adjustments in-game, halftime, things like that. I think that's a completely different skill set, and I think that's the biggest question mark I have for him. I'm sure he's brilliant. I'm sure he's great behind, you know, with, with a laser pointer looking at, at, at film and on a grease board, but I'm really interested to see how he matches up against Sean McVay in this offense and, and what kind of what kind of uh, adjustments he can make, and I think that's going to be a big one. And then, you know, Olin, you mentioned all those coaches. A lot of them are, you know, they've never all uh, – Jashay Towson, Sean Desai, and I think Bill Suey have all worked together. But Bill Suey is new, the new outside linebackers coach who's never really coached outside linebackers. So all these guys are first-year guys together as a, as, a, as a unit. And I just I question how good they can be in their first year. It's kind of like we were talking about with the O-line. They haven't worked together. Um, how well are they going to be able to communicate on game day? I mean, this is their first real true game, uh, putting together a game plan and trying to stick to the game plan and make adjustments. So we'll see tonight, and it's going to be – a big test for Sean to sign his first real NFL action. Mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you, I think the most extraordinary statistic I heard going into this game is about Sean McVay. Sean McVay is 37-0 and 0 mm. when leading at halftime. He has never lost an NFL game when he's had a halftime lead. That doesn't make, that doesn't make sense to me. That, that seems like it, that can't be correct, can it? Like you can't have someone – that is good enough at their job that all they have to do is get a lead. Now, I don't know all the games, but they, that must include some decent teams. That's an extraordinary and, – and when I think of Sean Desai, I think of, well, what are the adjustments? How are you going to make your adjustments? What, what is it that you're going to do if something starts going awry? And a lot of that is halftime adjustments, and apparently it's irrelevant because this coach is awfully good when he gets a lead. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's like I said, this is just a, this is a huge matchup for Sean Desai. I mean this, I hope you know as a Bears fan and a former Bears player that he comes out and matches him game plan for game plan and gets him in a situation where they're not leading at halftime, where the Bears are leading at halftime. Right. But um, it's this is just going to be a it's a huge test for Sean and this defensive staff. The good thing is he has some players over there. Obviously, we'll probably talk about it later. Some of the the holes they have in the defensive backfield, but. Um, he's got some talent to work with, but I'm just really excited to see what he can do against Sean McVay, who's, who's a proven winner, who's a proven, you know, quote-unquote offensive genius in this league. So we'll see what Sean can do. Yeah, you, you talk about a guy who identifies coaches and, and the coaching staff is a strength, right? And you talk about McVay, I think he's been there since 2017. 
and Matt LaFleur was his first offensive coordinator. Matt LaFleur is not a head coach of the Packers, right? Zach Taylor was a wide receiver coach. He's not a head coach of the Bengals. Shane Waldron was there. He's not an offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. You could go on and on. He identified, guys, on Fangio's coaching staff in Denver. He identified the outside linebacker coach, Brandon Staley, and made him his offensive coordinator. Here's a guy who identifies young coaching talent, develops them, and they move on to become head coaches in the NFL. I mean, if you're talking about a guy whose coaching staff is their strength, a guy who you, Sean decides first matchup is going to be very interesting to see. And, and then that goes to the point of if it's a really bad night for Sean Desai, well, you know why. Uh, it is, this McVay is very good. He's got Aaron Rodgers now. Now he can spread the field. Uh, we all know the Bears, are, are you know, their secondary is a question mark also uh, going into this season. So we'll see how that matchup turns out tonight well I mean Matthew Stafford is a guy they're well familiar with right so you've played against him quite a bit I think it's uh was it 11 and 9 is his record against Mm -hmm. the Bears that's uh that that's it's nice that I guess he has a winning record for him but I've never really seen had a lot of fear out of that guy Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated to see what this coach and this offense can do with that player who you know, has a little bit of gunslinger in him. You know, I, I think he's thrown 20-something picks against the Bears. I, I think he's mm-hmm. thrown more picks than games played, and it's just because he'll throw with weird arm angles. He'll do he's, – he's kind of got a little, uh, a little gunslinger in him, and I don't know that McVay – maybe he wants that. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, and yeah. that's why uh, – sorry, Pat, but that's no, why no. – that's why you worry about Eddie Goldman being out, right? Because you got to stop that run game first, right? That outside zone, they have a lot of nice counters. They work off the outside zone. It's a very interesting interesting run game. I know they lost, I think Cam Akers was their starting running back. Uh, they lost him for the year. Uh, so now they're going to go with Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle from the Patriots. But uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see tonight. You saw already how different the Seahawks look with this outside zone uh, play action pass, right? Shane Waldron was the you know was the Rams yeah. pass game coordinator last year. Now he's off coordinator for the Seahawks. Uh, you know all these teams who run this scheme, uh, guys. The quarterbacks are a little more comfortable. They're not asked to do as much. And look, the slot cornerback tonight, Pat. I'm sure you'll be watching. Uh, you know Duke Shelley or Marquis Chris, whoever's there. Cooper Cup is probably the best slot receiver in the NFL. I'm sure they're going to be looking there quite often tonight. Yeah, Molly, I want to go back to Matthew Stafford because he, he's the one that scares me the most. And, Olin, you said it right there that when you put quarterbacks in the system, they can shine. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff, you go back and watch last year's game, he missed of a lot of – Bob Wiley would call him don't miss the layups, right? He missed a lot of layups, and that could have been much more chunk yardage for the Rams, and I think that's something Matthew Stafford will not do. I think he'll make those easy throws and make the right throws, but I do agree with you, Molly, too. There are times maybe when they're down, but I think that might have been because they're in Detroit and that's all they have up there was him. He will get that gunslinger mentality, trying to score some points, trying to get first downs, but we'll see if Sean McVay coaches that out of him. But what scares me is him in that system and then kind of letting him kind of tone his game down where he doesn't have to win it on his own with all those with all those players you talked about, Olin, as a, as a wide receiver and running back. So he scares me a lot, and I'm, I'm really interested to see how Sean McVay works with him and how they work together, really, and, and how well he works this offense. All right, Matthew Stafford, 32 touchdowns, 23 interceptions against the Bears, an 86.3 passer rating. 
those picks will kill you when it comes to passer rating. Mm-hmm. We got to get to a break. We'll come back. We'll get into the, the Bears quarterback situation. And, and I, you know, Matt Nagy is once again the play caller. He stopped doing that for a while, and they won some games and ran the football. I got to get your take on, uh, on why he's back in the role as play caller, and we'll uh, discuss that next. It's the pregame show. You're listening to Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. This offense, it takes a few years to get going. And, and part of that was um, we saw that in Kansas City where it took a few years because not just the players that were coming in and drafting, but the scheme, them learning it and understanding it. And after about three or four years, it started really, really picking up and going. Um, I feel like we're at that spot right now. <laughs> it's the pregame show on the score presented by Bet Rivers, the official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers app today. That, there's an example. That is Matt Nagy. I don't know what he's talking about, guys. I mean, he. I get it. It's going to take three or four years to get the thing up and running. But they got three starters on their offense that have actually been there three or four years, right? It's the. It, it's the. The uh, franchise tag wide receiver who apparently wants out, and uh, and your two guards, I, it's just it's surreal when you think about just the him saying that, and then the fact that they don't have any of the stuff he's talking about. It it, it just makes you wonder a little bit. Um, I like the idea that now everybody understands the offense. I'm hoping that includes the coach. Um, what what do you think of what do you think of where they're at? with this offense and and the fact that he had to give up play calling in order to run the football and then now here you are and he's back as the play call this is all very quiet kind of happening stuff but he's got magic sheet and he it's laminated and he's going to call plays from it uh you know i think the easiest way to put it uh molly and pat is that uh, they're gonna have to shock us tonight right the, the offense is gonna have to shock us uh, i don't i am not i don't want to speak for you guys but I am not expecting a whole lot out of them tonight against this defense, even though Raheem Morris is their new defensive coordinator for the Rams. But look, when he says things like that, Molly, I think the thing that's hard for me is as an analyst, you go, okay, well, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at the Kansas City from 2013 to 2016 or 17, and I'm going to look at the similarities and, and hope he's right. Right, Pat? I hope he's correct. Well, he's completely wrong. Right, the quarterback was going into like his 48th consecutive start in this offense. They have the quarterback now making their first start. Uh, they traded for Mitchell Schwartz from Cleveland. They drafted Fisher in 2013. They drafted Kelsey in 2013. Just so happened to be the best tight end in the NFL. Uh, they got Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, in the draft. Demarcus Robinson. They had all these guys working in this scheme, and, and all of a sudden, it took them. It took them to to actually. One more year from this year for the Bears, it took them to 2017 before they moved up to fifth in the NFL in offense, right? So they weren't really good for Nate, if what Nagy's talking about the next year. So you're trying to find anything that that matches what he's trying to say about the Bears following the same path as the Kansas City Chiefs since he made the comparison, right? But you can't find anything. And then when you really look, get down to the nitty-gritty of the numbers, and you can go look at this your guy's self, the Kansas City Chiefs were either first and second in turnover differential every year that, that in those years that he's talking about except 2014. And I bet you guys can't guess what's the one year they missed the playoffs. 
it was 2014. So anyway, I, I'm with you, Mully. Sometimes they say those things, and you want to go there and grab whoever's in charge of the media. I mean, when I was there, it was Scott Hagel, and I would like to grab him anyway. But anyway, look, I <laughs> go there. Did, maybe you did. Yeah, maybe you put him in a cold tub. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, those are all, look, those are all urban legends. But I grab Hagel and say, Hagel, before they say these things, make sure like you, they know what they're talking about. Yeah, and, and Owen, I'm wondering, too, is he trying to talk to his team? You know, sometimes coaches use the media to talk to their team. He could be using this lie to try to motivate his team. Like, we're going to be good, guys. Right, and, <laughs> and, but, but there's it's, no – there's, like, zero similarities, right? And I know, even, exactly. Even when you look through the coaching staff, the coaching staff was remarkably consistent through those sure. years, right? Yeah. Only Peterson left – I think he became the head coach of the Eagles in 2016, and he was the only guy who left. The Bears have completely changed their offensive staff. There's no one there from the first two years. Yeah, I think what frustrates me is, you know, you got Ryan Pace lying to us. You played that cut earlier. You got Matt Nagy lying to us about, you know, this offense is going to get rolling now with, with all the pieces. You know, now it's just stop lying to us. Go out on the field and prove it to us. That, that's what's getting me frustrated with this, that, you know, he keeps saying this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and it's not happening. Well, you know, you, you, you can prove that statement. Well, he still can't prove that statement right, but he can prove us wrong in our belief that it's not going to work tonight if they can go out and execute. But, Olin, I'm with you. I just – I'm nervous about this game that they're going to go out, have a bunch of false starts, a bunch of penalties, uh, you know, you know, miss throw. It's just not going to look pretty. I just don't think it's going to be good after what we saw in the preseason. Um, and it, that's what scares me. You said it earlier. I mean, how many times do you come out of training camp and think like, God, I wish they had two more weeks. It just doesn't <laughs> feel like it doesn't feel like the old line has been together long enough. Mm-hmm. You watch that horrible last preseason game where you're just averting your eyes when they're blocking initially I it you got guys that aren't even in shape yet and I, I you know I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I think the obvious thing is to everyone to say well Alex Smith and uh, Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes that's what Matt Nagy knows but it, Matt Nagy knows everything he knows from Andy Reid and to me it's kind of Doug Peterson and Donovan McNabb you know they mm-hmm. they they draft Donovan McNabb with the number two pick and they had signed Doug Peterson, and he was just a guy to hold the space before their pick was ready. And I think McNabb, game two, he played in the second half with the series of plays. And then by game 10, he had taken over for the rest of the year. Maybe it was the last uh, six to ten games of the year. I, I forget the numbers. But that seems more like what we're looking at in Chicago than anything related to Alex Smith and Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, if they don't, if the front seven on defense doesn't dominate Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, uh, Eddie Goldman when he comes back, we're talking about the whole year, right? This year there's one more game, right? There's 17 of these now. So this is the first week. The Bears have a while to grow into what team they are, right? Bilal Nichols, we need more out of Quinn, obviously. Roquan Smith, Alec Ogletree, when Trevathan comes back, hopefully he's a part of that front seven. But they need to dominate. They need to have... They need to be, again, they need to have 38 takeaways. They need to be plus 12, plus 13, plus 14 at the end of the year. That's the only way. Look, when they played the Rams in 2018 in week 14, that's how they won, right? They, 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 had, they, they, had, they had four turnovers. The Bears did. The, the Bear, um, caused four turnovers. The Bears had three themselves. But the defense won that game. That's the kind of thing we're looking at, Molly. But as far as that quarterback, 
I, I want to see Fields, too. I, I tweeted out, out, that out earlier. I think he's the guy who should be playing. I think that's how he'll learn. The thing that worries me about this scheme, though, is you have to have two very good offensive tackles. You saw that in the Super Bowl. I think they set the record for giving up pressures. They are not going to change their play calling just because the tackles are not good, Pat. Yeah, and that's what scares me. And you just you just – kind of laid out a plan of the way I think this team could win as well is you got to d- dominate with defense. And what stinks is you hired a offensive coordinator or you hired a offensive minded head coach. And we're still talking about how good the defense, not his offense is. Mm-hmm. And so we're worried about, you know, what are they going to do to score points? But to win games is the most important thing is to, to make sure that defense can still dominate and then figure out on offense how to score some points. And what you're saying with those two tackles they have and trying to run his scheme, it's not going to work. You saw last year when they changed the offense a little bit, and, and let Mitch Trubisky run that more outside zone, his more uh, comfortable style of offense, they looked a lot better. But I just don't think Matt Nagy is, is willing to do that. I think his ego is too large, his belief in his offense that it's going to work. And he's like, that's why I'm here. I'm going to call the plays. I'm going to call my offense. I'm going to make this work. But I don't know if he has the right players to do it. And, and I don't know that he has the right understanding of how to play complementary football to do it. I, I just think that if their strength is the front seven – if that's the way to win this game, don't they have to call a different game plan than whatever three-and-out offense they keep relying on? That, that's what I would think, and that's one reason why I think that Justin Fields should start. You just start yeah. with a dumbed-down offense, mm-hmm. have the run game going, let Justin Fields with his legs get you out of some trouble, keep him some simple reads, uh, and let him grow in the offense as the season goes along, and make sure that defense is dominant and winning, helping you win games. But you could use that defense to help Justin Fields grow and move into a you know a comfortable starter and maybe running more uh, plays throughout Matt Nagy's offense. Yeah, and I think Molly, you mentioned earlier about him taking over the play calling again. And what worries me is by him, I mean Coach Nagy. Yeah. What worries me is when you call run plays. I think he goes into the game saying, I, "I'm gonna, we want to run the ball." David Montgomery, we want to give him carries. Uh, Williams, a, a good pickup from the Chiefs. He sat out for one year, but. You have to be stubborn, right? You have to – if you're running the ball like offensive linemen, we always – you know, in the first quarter, we say, man, what a beautiful half-yard run that was, right? And everybody's saying, man, that run sucked. But we're high-fiving. We're saying, okay, that's a half-yard run or maybe not even – maybe, maybe we didn't get any yards, Pat. But we know in the third quarter when we kind of got a feeling for what they're trying to do on defense, where we want our angles to be on double team, exactly how – double teams, exactly how we want to block certain looks – now the runs start breaking open. And what, like what Molly is saying is I don't know if Coach Nagy thinks a punt is a good play for his team. Hmm. But I think that's what kind of team they are, Pat. And I I wanna, I'm very interested to hear you talk about later or whenever the, the thing that has to complement that style of game plan is a very good special teams, right? A good return game. Uh, a good kicker, a good punter, uh, uh, you know, you have to win the hidden yardage battle. You have to win field position with a young quarterback or even with Andy Dalton because, look, Andy Dalton, we all know uh, in primetime, in playoffs, he's not very good. So he, he's going to have to change who he is tonight for the Bears to look good on offense. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to bring in Mark Grody and talk about the inactives, but we have a list here. And the one guy, and I cannot believe that I'm like – I'm upset that Duke Shelley is inactive. But the wow. where they're at right now, what? apparently the Nickelback wow. Duke Shelley inactive. I, I mean, I don't know if he can play or not, but that's a terrible turn of events somehow. 
I thought he was the starting nickel. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, we but, but, but if you when you watch the preseason game, they were running them in and out, right? Marquis yes, Christian, yes. and it yeah, goes yeah. back to Pat. I guess um, he's not. Is, is he a special teams guy? If he is not, if he's backing up, if he's third string, uh, did, do they want to use somebody else? They're one of the safeties is maybe better than him. I don't know, but the numbers. But that's what we're saying. They didn't even know who their starting nickel was going into the Tennessee Titans game. And Mitch Trubisky, as much as we're saying it was just preseason, he was getting that ball out and beating Vildor and beating whoever was at nickel over and over and over again. Um, Help me out, but Marquis Christian then has to be the nickel. Wasn't he with Artie Burns, one of the guys they cut? And I know that was just sort of a, you know, they didn't have to go through the, the waiver wire. It was some roster manipulation, but... Are you allowed to cut a guy and then say, I'm excited about him? Are you allowed to cut a guy and then make him your starting nickel, which is like a starting position? You know, one thing I asked uh, on the No Name podcast, obviously a shameless plug there, but I asked Matt Bowen, who knows more about secondary play than all of us, ESPN analysts, uh, played safety for the Rams, played seven years in the NFL. But, look, I asked him, I said, would you move Kendall Vildor into nickel and put Artie Burns – and oh. Jalen Johnson out there, cornerback. So you have your best secondary on the field. Um, so maybe maybe that's something they're thinking about. But again, uh, we go into the first game against what many people would consider the best slot receiver in the NFL in Cooper Cup. And you, we don't know who the nickel back is after you get rid of Buster Screen in the offseason. Yeah, this is an interesting move because uh, yeah. I talked to a couple special teams coaches about Marquis Christian. They said he's a core player, four-phase guy, excellent player you want on your team. Very good safety nickel guy as a backup. You know what I mean? Right. That emergency guy. So that's 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 the evaluation I got about him from from other coaches and, and personnel people. When and the thing is that, well, you know, look, the Rams have their own problems also, right? Andre Whitworth, Rob Hovenstein, they've got a tough Khalil Mack and and Quinn and look Austin Corbett with with Akeem Hicks. Those are very big advantages for the Chicago Bears that need to be dominated. But McVay is going to make that nickel back tackle. In the run game, he's gonna he's gonna block everybody, double team everybody, and had run downhill at whoever the Bears have at nickel cornerback. And the one thing Duke, Duke Shelley did do well is he was a good tackler against the run. All right, great stuff. We're gonna bring in Mark Rody. We'll get the list of all the inactives, and uh, you know the idea of running at the nickel is a really interesting idea. Make that guy tackle, see what he can do. Boy, there, there are issues here in this game, and we will get to all of them. It is the SCORE pregame show presented by Bet Rivers, official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers app today. All right, guys, we'll be right back with Mark Rody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 